Hello people, welcome to another episode of my podcast, my book is better than yours. I could find a better name, but please don't judge a book by its cover. If you listen to my podcasts to make you feel sleepy, first of all, it hurts a lot, but at least I'm happy that I contribute to this very essential process. Jokes aside, Why We Sleep is the first book of Matthew Walker, a professor of neuroscience at the University of California, Berkeley. It's a book that is packed with science and it will make you think of your bedtime differently. I decided to release this podcast into two parts. The first, the one that you are listening to right now, is about sleep, its benefits and the consequences of sleep deprivation. The second one is about dreaming. The book starts very passionately by saying that sleeping less than six hours a night wakens the immune system, substantially increases the risk of certain forms of cancer, is linked with Alzheimer's disease, disrupts blood sugar levels, increases the chances of having cardiovascular disease, contributes to weight gain, shortens the lifespan, lead to depression, anxiety and suicidality. Even though there is no complete answer as to why we sleep, sleep enriches our ability to learn, memorize and make logical decisions and choices, apparently when we are awake. Service our psychological health, recalibrates our emotional brain circuits, tunes the balance of insulin and glucose and flourishes the microbiome within our gut. Two main factors determine when you want to sleep. The first factor is a signal sent out from our internal 24-hour clock located deep within our brain. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. The suprachiasmatic nucleus sends the signal of night and day to our brain and body by using a messenger called melatonin. Melatonin has other names too, the hormone of darkness and the vampire hormone because it is released at night, shouting out a clear message to the brain. It's dark. Melatonin regulates the timing of when sleep happens, but has little influence on the generation of sleep itself. The suprachiasmatic nucleus is the reason why people usually experience jet lag when they travel to a distant time zone. They feel tired and sleepy during the day because their internal clock still thinks it is nighttime. A rule of thumb is that for every day you are in a different time zone, your suprachiasmatic nucleus can only readjust by about an hour. The second factor that determines when you want to sleep is a chemical substance that builds up in our brains and creates sleep pressure. It's called adenosine. The longer you are awake, the more adenosine will accumulate and it will increase the desire to sleep. 
caffeine artificially mutes the sleep signal of adenosine and it is the second most traded commodity on the planet after oil. That's a random fact, but it's good to know anyway. Caffeine works by successfully battling with adenosine for the privilege of locking on the adenosine welcome receptors in the brain. By hijacking and occupying receptors, caffeine blocks the sleepiness signal normally communicated to the brain by adenosine. Caffeine is a common culprit that keeps people from falling asleep easily. Once your liver filters the caffeine, you feel a fierce backlash. You're hit with the sleepiness you had experienced two or three hours ago before you drank that cup of coffee, plus all the extra adenosine that has accumulated in the hours in between. Well done! In 1952, at the University of Chicago, Eugene Aserinsky, then a graduate student, and Professor Nathaniel Klitman did an experiment. Klitman chose his infant daughter Esther for this investigation, which is not pretty normal, I guess. The discovery they made is that humans, during their sleep, cycle through two completely different types of sleep, non-rapid eye movement or NREM and rapid eye movement or REM. NREM and REM plays out in a recurring push-pull battle for brain domination across the night. The war between the two is won and lost every 90 minutes. REM sleep brain activity was almost identical to that when we are awake and it is connected to the experience we call dreaming. It is often impossible to distinguish REM sleep from wakefulness using just electrical brainwave activity. Recent MRI scanning studies have found that there are individual parts of the brain that are up to 30% more active during REM sleep than when we are awake. Sleep in the biphasic pattern, namely a longer sleep period at night, followed by a 30 to 60 minute nap in the afternoon, is very beneficial. Biphasic sleep is still observed in several siesta cultures, including regions of South America and Mediterranean Europe. A team of researchers from Harvard University School of Public Health decided to quantify the health consequence of abandoning the siesta-like practice in more than 23,000 Greek adults. Those who abandoned regular siestas went on to suffer 37% increased risk of death from heart disease across the six years relative to those who maintained regular daytime naps. On the island of Vicaria in Greece, men are nearly four times as likely to reach the age of 90 as American males. It seems that the practice of natural biphasic sleep and a healthy diet 
and the Greek sun, I would add, appear to be the keys to a long life. Adolescents face two harmful challenges the change in their sleep-wake cycle and the early school start. As a nine-year-old, sleep-wake cycle would have the child asleep by around 9 p.m. By the time that same individual has reached 16, a few more hours must pass before the sleep-wake cycle of a teenage brain begins to shut down alertness and allow for easy sound sleep to begin. Sadly, neither society nor our parental attitude are well designed to appreciate or accept that teenagers need more sleep than adults and that they are biologically wired to obtain that sleep at a different time from their parents. A full night of sleep makes you live longer, enhances your memory and makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive, keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards you off colds and flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke and diabetes. Sleep before learning refreshes our ability to make new memories. The hippocampus is a part of the brain that offers a short-term reservoir and has limited storage capacity. When it exceeds its capacity, it is not able to add more information and override one memory with another, a mishap called interferes forgetting. Sleep restores the brain's capacity for learning, making room for new memories. Sleep six hours or less and you're preventing the brain with learning restoration benefit. Not only does sleep maintain those memories you have successfully learned before bed, but it will even salvage those that appeared to have been lost soon after learning. Following a night of sleep, you regain access to memories you could not retrieve before sleep. The most common reason why students give for pulling all-nighters is to cram for an exam. However, if you don't sleep the very first night after learning, you lose the chance to consolidate those memories even if you get lots of catch-up sleep thereafter. Guinness Book of World Records has stopped recognizing attempts to break the sleep deprivation world record. It is acceptable for a man, Felix Baumgartner, to ascend 128,000 feet into the outer reaches of our atmosphere and free fall back down to Earth at a top speed of 843 miles per hour passing through the sound barrier while creating a sonic boom with just his body. The risks associated with sleep deprivation are considered to be far, far higher. There are many ways in which a lack of sufficient sleep will kill you. 
for example, a traffic accident caused by a fatigue-related error. Operating on less than 5 hours of sleep, your risk of a car crash increases threefold. Having slept just 4 hours or less the night before, you are 11.5 times more likely to be involved in a car accident. Humans need more than 7 hours of sleep each night to maintain cognitive performance. Three full nights of recovery sleep are insufficient to restore performance to normal. And slipping it off on the weekends to pay off the weeknight sleep debt is not possible. The brain is incapable of that. Two hormones controlling appetite, leptin and ghrelin. Leptin signals a sense of feeling full. Ghrelin triggers a strong sensation of hunger. Inadequate sleep decreases the concentration of the feeling full signaling hormone leptin and increases levels of the hunger hormone ghrelin. Sleeping loss increases levels of circulating endocannabinoids, chemicals produced by the body that are very similar to the drug cannabis. These chemicals stimulate appetite and increase your desire to snack, otherwise known as having the munches. When you're not getting enough sleep, the body becomes stingy about giving up fat, preventing effective weight loss when dieting. Reproductive hormones, reproductive organs and the very nature of physical attractiveness are degraded by short sleeping. This podcast, feel free to follow me on Spotify. Until next time, be healthy, be safe, be productive. Ciao!